All right, welcome everybody. Get things rolling here in just a minute. See, we've got Wolf on stage. We've got Dave on stage. Hey, Dave, glad you could join us. Mr. Joe Francis with us. Glad you guys could join us. I see Kay out there. Get an invite out. And we will kick off Tuesday Trading Talk here, Trading Talk Tuesday, just in a few moments. Got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Interesting start to the year for sure. All right, Kay dropped you an invite as well. Get you up on stage. Let some folks come in. It's going to be a great evening of discussing the craziness that's going on in stock markets and just 2024 in general. I mean, just a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, people dropping some knowledge out there that is worth noting. So go through some of that as we start off 2024, try to build our portfolios and continued success. But before we get into all of that, how you doing today, Joe? I haven't talked to you in a little while. I know you've been busy. Life going well to start off 2024, I hope. Hey, Nate, and, and hey, guys, how's it all going? Doing well here, man. Doing really well. How about yourself? It, yeah, yeah, just uh, getting over the, the new year holiday, I guess. And uh, had, fa had family in town, traveled around New Zealand a bit, and it's, it's, it's hot here. So opposite to you guys, it's, it's uh, middle of summer now. So it's been great. We've had a great time. Yeah, good stuff. Love to hear it. Yeah, that's kind of wild to me to think about that. It's nice and chilly here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely glad you could join us. And uh, it'd be interesting to hear any take you have uh, along the way. I know uh, we talked more about building wealth and tomorrow night uh, we have an interesting uh, space hopefully you can make it for that too joe um, but for everybody listening we'll be talking about you know what we do to get around basically those excuses that can get in the way of advancing and getting to where you want what you want in life so it should be good and interesting conversation there hope you can join us and uh and I'm yeah. go ahead joe no, I'm just going to say, looking forward to this session. Looking forward to uh, to learning from you guys as well. So it's it's going to be great. Yeah, good stuff. We'll get into all kinds of good stuff, like uh, we have trade ideas. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about options trading. Curious if K has got his, if K has anything going on here. Uh, if Nick can join us tonight, maybe we'll get into some uh, uh, dividend investing uh, discussions. We'll see if Nick can join, and if not, we'll catch him catch up with him next week or tomorrow. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing this every Tuesday and Wednesday, so be sure to set your calendars 8 p.m. Eastern. Also, uh, for those that subscribe to a Trader's Education, my newsletter, I post that the recordings on Wednesday and Thursday mornings, and you can catch that on iTunes and Spotify as well. You can go download that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you miss it here, definitely be sure to check that out. We got Paul in the audience. Make sure we give him an invite. See if Paul can join us to speak tonight. No, he's been traveling. A lot of traveling going on, which has been really positive to see, actually. And a lot of consumers still buying out there. Some interesting data points around that. We'll have to talk about a little bit. See how markets are doing there. With respect to like looking at that data and reacting and then we got cpi data later this week which is you know a little bit more technical and boring but could impact markets on thursday so let's get into it and um i'm gonna go ahead and pin uh my uh newsletter uh, to the top here i got a post here if you're interested it's a free newsletter you can upgrade for a, a whopping eight dollars a month and you will get access to 
everything, including all of my trade ideas. It's got stop loss levels, entry levels, price, profit taking levels, all that good stuff. So I won't spend my time plugging it, but uh, definitely check that out. I'll get that added to the top. And I see we've got Mr. Blind Luck Project joining us. Glad we could get Blind Luck on stage. Excellent. All right, guys, let's get into this. Dave, I know you've got some interesting uh, trade ideas. I was listening to you the other night. I wouldn't mind kicking it over to you to get started. You, uh, you got anything that you want to bring forward just to kick us off? Well, you know, my name my name's Night Trader, so I, I hope I have some good trade ideas. Yeah, and right. I tried to, you know, I, I, gotta, I gotta stick to the handle because this is your time of the day and I gotta get that right. So yeah, night trader yeah. for joining us, man. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's when I start uh, waking up, that's when I do all my trades. Uh, um, so yeah, I actually trade some crypto and I do do, uh, if you read my book, I do do, I do a lot of my, I mean, you can basically do a lot of your trades at night. You can just put them, even on the market's closed, you can, I mean, like crypto's open, but I put in my buy sell orders and things and do all my research at night. So, and then I work a regular job during the day. So that, that's, that's me. But, uh, yeah, I love yeah, thanks for, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, I've got a lot of good ideas. I mean, I, I, I think the market, the way I look at it is, um, well, first of all, this year I haven't been doing anything cause I haven't seen the markets, you know, why would you want to buy when the market's at an all-time high? So I haven't done any trading this year, and I don't plan on doing any. I don't see anything that, that excites me. But, however, the time I did do a lot of trading was when the market bottomed in late October, early November last year. And I'm going to I'm gonna rattle off some tickers. So, by the way, my two tickers last time, I've only been on your show once, but uh, a couple months ago I did say – I think my batting average is 100% because I did say to buy Celsius at 49 or 50 at that point. And I also said to buy MicroStrategy, which was trading on the high fours. So I actually bought both of those. So hopefully your listeners listened to me and, and you know, you'd already be up. So. Yes, you did. Those are facts. I do recall yeah. that. Yeah. Nice so I, I want to keep my batting average at 100%. So I'm going to rattle off some stocks. I am in some fantastic trades. Um, most of them, these are all swing trades, but some of them are so good now that I might just hold these stocks like long-term. So um, so that said, the market, in my mind, uh, the time to buy was like last, late October, early November. Um, so I went shopping. I bought, uh, this is like uh, late, early November. I bought Celsius. Uh, I, I added to that, um, which is obviously really good. Um, but uh, then uh, Shopify. Uh, I noted this in all my tweets. I bought Shopify around $50. I think it's trading almost 80 now. Uh, United Airlines is a long-term swing trade. I got in United Airlines uh, at $35. I think it's 43 now or even maybe more. Uh, I plan on holding that to about $59.60. Uh, I got into Lyft last year. So I, uh, I got the Lyft stock tip from a guy um he's uh, a, a guy here on fintwit he's also he's also an actor and he's also a uh he's also a big time trader i guess when he's not acting in, in movies and uh and tv shows he does he has he's very successful at trading so his name is michael crow i posted a picture with him so anyway i had lunch with him early like last november and 
he told me, uh, I asked him for a stock tip. He said, buy Lyft, L-Y-F-T. And I looked at him. I said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. Why would I want to buy Lyft? Like, the, the company sucks, blah, 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 and just like everybody else would say. And uh, then I went home for about a week, and I thought about it. And I said, well, I mean, it might not be a bad idea. He has, like, high conviction in Lyft. So I bought Lyft around $10 a few months ago. And now it went up to 15 or 16 I could have sold it at 50 to 60% profit. But I think Lyft uh, – has a lot of potential um there's a lot of rumors doordash might be buying them uh the stock has a pretty good short float so lyft to me has enough things buzzing around it that i am just going to hold it because i bought it so low uh, so lyft is a good one. Oh, then i also bought grab g-r-a-b so this is a stock I talked about. Uh, Nick knows, uh, Nate knows about this. I talked about it in my space. It, it's like the Uber of Asia. So this stock has been basing at $3 for the last several years. But this stock also, the company has tons, billions of dollars of cash, and they have no debt. And they're about to turn profitable when they report Q4 earnings. So I'm not saying the stock's to go from $3 to $10 by any stretch, but um, if it goes from $3 to $4 or $5, then I'm pretty happy. So I got Grab, I got Lyft, I got, I, and I also own Uber. I, I think I own all the ride-sharing companies in the whole world uh, at this point. So, uh, and, and then um, my other one I have is Toast. So Toast, T-O-S-T, is a stock I used to make fun of. Uh, I used to put pictures of burning pieces of toast and say the stock sucks. And it was kind of fun because they, they have a cool ticker to make fun of. So then I got I changed my mind late last year. I said to, I said to myself, well, maybe this company I used to go to I go with the restaurants a lot. And so around last November, when I was thinking about buying the stock, I said, this company might, might not be so bad. I mean, they weren't they weren't profitable yet, but they are growing. So I went out to uh, long story short, I went to dinner with some people and. Coincidentally or not coincidentally, I ran into a woman that at dinner that she doesn't know anything about she knows nothing about stocks, but she is an expert in restaurants and in the restaurant industry. She's worked in for 10 years. She's also an expert in restaurant point of sale systems. So I spoke to her at dinner and she basically told me that toast is like the best. She's like, I know all these other systems. I worked in restaurants my you know last 10 years. I know I know these systems inside now. She's like toast, toast, toast. So what I did was I next morning I got up and market open, I bought a bunch of toast stock and basis her uh, analysis because that kind of tipped me over that wait a second, this company could be really good. And and hence the stock is I bought it in the high 15s. So toast now is like almost 19. I actually have this stock as my one of my top other than Celsius. Um, toast is like my number two pick for 2024, meaning I think the stock will go up 50% uh, this year. Now, hope, that's assuming you also bought it when I bought it around $16 or high 15. So um, so that would put it at $24. Well, the stock's trading at 19 now. So like if we go from 19 to 24 this year, you know, I'll make 50%. So I'm big on toast. I think the company can um, is scaling. It's everywhere. It's uh, It has some competition, but they're such a leader in their industry. And they could just, this company could just grow like, like, like bonkers um they have so many areas they can grow and they're growing phenomenally uh and they have that subscription model so they have a lot of things in their favor uh and they're, and they're about to turn over being profitable so toast and then i have some bit farms which i bought around uh two dollars eighty cents 
your Bitcoin miner. And then, of course, my last stock will be Celsius. Now, that is a stock that I told you and everybody in the world probably, I said, buy it at um, when I, I was buying it, you know, long ago, but I'm a long time holder. But I've been adding, so I added when it went to forty nine dollars, which would seem to be the good buy point uh, if you look at the charts. So, so all the stocks I told you, the, the sad part is I can't sit here and tell you, um, you know, I, I'm pretty good at this. Um, I don't think I could tell you one stock I would go out and buy today. Now I just told you a bunch of great names, but you were supposed to buy them when they were cheaper, you know, last year. So. I don't. I don't think I would buy any of the ones I told. Like I wouldn't even buy Celsius today. If I if I never owned Celsius, I wouldn't even go buy it today at fifty nine dollars. So, I think it's you know you missed out on the big run on it. Run on it. So, uh, so that's my my summary of twenty twenty four. Any questions or anything? Or Night Trader bringing it, man. I love it. I'm going to get back to some of these names here. So. Uh, Celsius, you mentioned you, you get in there about 49. I see that on the chart, solid, solid level here support. Um, and it did bounce up, but maybe we get a retest there. It'd be a nice opportunity uh, for folks to get in on potentially a longer term trade there. Um, Toast is interesting. You got some names on here that I have not, they're not on my radar. They are now Grab and Toast, G-R-A-B and T-O-S-T. So definitely interesting. Um, of course, the Bitcoin, uh, I mean, I got to mention the ETF news today. I'm surprised we don't have Eric on. I'd, I'd love to talk to him about it if he gets on here and joins us later. Um, but yeah, the, so I don't know if you guys caught it, but um, I'm sure everybody's heard about it by now. But the SEC, I guess, said that they had um, their account was compromised. And so they posted that, you know, all this Bitcoin approval, ETF approval, and then immediately, you know, kind of came out later and uh, said that they had been, you know, the account was compromised. It's not them posting it. It's not true. Yada, yada. Like Gensler had to come out and say the same thing. So I don't know what to make of that. Um, there's like this head fake, right? That you get uh, from the from the ETF or from the Bitcoin world. Um, but it's definitely an interesting spot. Like, I don't know, that might piss them off, right? Like, I don't think they're going to make a decision based on getting annoyed or something, but. I think it's kind of amusing, to say the least. Um, and yeah, I've been trading those Bitcoin miners and they've been doing really well. I think Coinbase is uh, is kind of interesting, not from an upside standpoint, but I just think everybody's in love with it and I am not. So I'll continue to hate on coin and I'll take heat for it. That's fine. All right. So the other name you mentioned I want to touch on, United Airlines. So the, the news with, res with respect to, uh, you know, the loose bolts and all of that. So... Was it United that didn't, wasn't, it was American Airlines and Alaska, right? Like that it were involved or said they also found some uh, additional loose bolts. Did you, did you catch that, Kay? Yeah, that was Alaska Airlines. And that's the reason the Boeing stock has like, has been hit pretty bad. You taking advantage of that Boeing drop? Yeah, I mean, I do have a long-term <laughs> position in Boeing, so I continue to add on it. Um but um, but not not too hastily, like slowly and steadily, because we don't know how much Boeing can go down. Yeah, it is a duopoly, right? So we got a duopoly there. It, it could get continued negative headlines from this, but yeah, it's a it's one to watch and interesting here. United Airlines, so the stock the, the chart looks nice, but you got blind luck. Yeah, I used to work um, for a subsidiary of one of Boeing suppliers. Um, it, I would definitely be buying Boeing right now. Boeing's a huge company. They do a lot more than just airplanes. And, uh, you know, they got a nice drop in the stock right now. And uh, this isn't their first rodeo. I mean, they've had 
much more severe aviation issues than this. I mean, the fact is, there is a door that wasn't installed correctly. It's an easy problem to check on other planes and fix, and nobody died in the crash. The airplane stayed airborne and was controllable and landed safely. So I think this is going to be a non-issue uh, moving forward. Yeah, by the dip opportunities, what you're seeing there. It's, I mean, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a duopoly, right? There's Airbus and Boeing, and that's it. So, well, yeah, um, look at any other industry, you know, shipping, trains, cars, trucks. I mean, these things are normal. It just makes headline news for aerospace because there hasn't been a fatality in aerospace in the United States since 2009. It's just very rare and it's dramatic. People are scared to fly in a hollow tube where they have no control. So it gets clicks. Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with some of that sentiment there. What you got, Joe? Hey, um, I just wanted to jump in while there was uh, something that I had a little bit of inside knowledge about, but it's actually on the Grab story and it's uh, or the Grab stock that Dave was talking about. And and uh, so just my my brief story is um, I was actually uh, doing business in Asia uh, for for twenty years during during the um, you know right through the two thousands. And so Uber had come into the markets and I'd actually um, pitched to Uber to, to open up um, Thailand and some other markets for them. And we, we actually entertained a guy. Uh, he came up with an investment banker. who was a friend of mine and myself. And we, we kind of talked to him about how different the markets were in Asia. And the guy was uh, just, you know, everything that you would hope um, if you were a shareholder of Uber, um, and if you've read anything about their founder and those sort of things, he was everything that you would kind of expect from them, but hope that they wouldn't be. He was, he was arrogant. He he was obnoxious. He uh, looked at his phone all evening and then just went off to um, didn't didn't listen at all to what we said. And fast forward about uh, two years, I think it was. Um, I was actually pitching to Grab, which had sprung up in Singapore, and we we were talking to them about some business and. They had just acquired the Uber business for Asia and they were taking over the Uber offices and the Uber staff hadn't been told yet that that was going to happen. And there was almost like literally a physical altercation as the Uber staff were saying, you know, get out of our office. And the Grab staff were, had been very competitive, were taking over the office from Uber. And so um, my, I'll bring that back around to trading, but I just think there is some really interesting um, opportunities where um, people don't you know fully understand maybe the uh, different context in say the Asian markets and I think there's an opportunity there for trading um, to kind of see how um, you know valuations are uh, in those markets for example that's a super interesting story um, <laughs> that's awesome so there you go grab seems to have it together there oh, yeah. like... hey Nate I was going to tell you something else about grab that, what you got? Uh, that Joe was saying um, to add on to that so um, Grab also has this thing where they have this, um, not just mobility delivery, you know, like Uber and car service, they have this other thing that I'm going to say almost like a SoFi app on their phone. Like they're getting, they're branching into like a financial, like banking and stuff like, you know, so it's, it's really has a lot of like growth opportunities. Like it's like ridiculous. Um, so, uh, you know, if that thing goes down, maybe to like a um, drops like twenty. I mean, the stock only moves like five cents a day. I mean, so if it dropped a little bit more, I'd I'd buy. If I'm not giving financial advice on here, but I, I'd probably buy some and just if you have money, you can want to just stick somewhere. 
Because think about it. It hasn't gone down from $3 in like two. It's basing at $3 for like two years. So the chances of it going to zero or $2 are almost like insignificant. So it can only really go up. And I think they could either branch into the U.S. or wherever, or someone should buy them like Uber or somebody or Lyft possibly. So it's got a lot of buzz around it and a lot of like with this financial applications they're getting into, like banking uh, for people over there. So. Um, Dave, I don't know if you've seen, but they're also um, monetizing. Uh, they have ads as well. And I, I, uh, a friend of mine is actually running that biz- the ad business for them. And they're actually uh, hitting profitability uh, on that um, that part of it as well uh, with ad tech. So, Absolutely. Yeah, um, my friend's a big trader. He's a million-dollar trader in New York. He was on the space with uh, Nate the other night. He thinks Uber, I mean, not Uber, Grab could go to five to six dollars now i don't agree with that but that's i mean he does this for a living he thinks it could go to five or six dollars from you know three dollars so i'd be happy if it went to four dollars fifty cents i'd be doing backflips so just um i'll I'll preface my comments by saying i'm a long-term i'm not i'm not a trader so you know but as a long-term company i think it's interesting just because you know you mentioned coming into the u.s but i i don't think they have to because they've got such a um, you know, the demographics in Asia and fast growing markets, so um, growing economies. So I think that there's a lot of uh, long runway for them. Oh, I agree. Even if they went to India, I mean, I don't think they're in, they're not even in India. So just India alone could like grow the business. So Great stuff. And this is way off my radar. Like this is now squarely on my watch list. Thanks for the discussion around grab. This is good. Um, Paul, glad you could join us. I uh, hope you had a great time on your cruise. And I know your flight back was a little bit disrupted by what we were talking about there. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Hey, good, yeah good evening, everyone. Thanks for thanks for being here. Yeah, it, we had like a 16-hour travel day uh, on Sunday. It was rough. It was it was bad. You know, American Airlines. Uh, they like left. They left. Um, from dc down to fort lauderdale but uh they they had something wrong mechanically with the flight it was like the de-icer or something they left knowing that that was wrong that 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 was broken of course there was a storm in florida they were picking us up and so they had to uh you know reroute the flight for five hours and in charlotte um to fix that and uh yeah it was it was a rough rough day airports are, are just getting steadily worse yeah, month by month, year to year, and the and the the solution for people with with that that are that are incredibly wealthy is like, okay, well, I'm just going to fly private and fly my private jet. But it's not really a realistic solution for ninety nine percent of people out there. So it's um, something needs to change. Airports, airports, airlines are just getting worse and worse. But uh, yeah, you can yeah. say pre-check and it doesn't even get it through any faster anymore. It seems like like everything's no. grinding slower. I agree. Yeah, and, and yeah, like so pre-check, pre-check was longer than the normal line for me. And and also uh, you know, we we flew first class, but it's like you know, first class is to the it's basically just coach with a bigger seat and you get you get dibs on the overhead space first. Oh, and they give you a glass when they give you a drink. It's like they're, you're not really even getting much with that anymore. It's, uh, man, yeah. We could, we could wrap on about this for a while. That in uh, yeah. Vegas, but man, all the perks are going to be taken away from Vegas too. But I digress. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I saw um, you at the top here, though, um, you you got some interest in PayPal, which I thought was super interesting. So I wanted to swing the conversation right to that because yeah, um, yeah, it's got it's had a nice little bounce off its bot at the bottom here, and it's above its mm -hmm. fifty. But uh, what do you what are your thoughts? I'm just talking technicals. Yeah, we're so uh, Dave was talking about. Um, yeah, he he's like, yeah, I don't know if I would buy anything right now, and and I, I wouldn't blame him um him or anyone else that they wouldn't want to buy anything right now i mean but but i think there are some some undervalued uh stocks out there for sure um but like do you like the feature of their business and probably one of them you know one of them could be carvana you know which was sort of uh rescued i guess out of bankruptcy and there's a lot of rumors there that Carvana's is going to go to 100 or something like that but like paypal PayPal has been beaten down and and while and while everyone else has had like a great 2023 PayPal lost. Uh PayPal just got worse and worse in 2023 and so um they had a long the longtime CEO departed. They've got a new CEO in. Uh I know they've got like some free free cash flow issues with their buy now pay later uh type business. Um but I think PayPal is not, I don't think it's like a dead company by any means. And they, they could end up, you know, continuing to lose market share to other players out there. It's kind of an evolving, evolving marketplace there, evolving business. But um, I still think that their PayPal, uh, PayPal is not done yet. Like maybe some people have written them off. Uh, still a pretty substantial business. They, they've, they, they, they do a lot. Um, you know, and Venmo, Venmo's uh, continuing to grow. Venmo's a big part of that. Um, I like PayPal. Um, I don't know. I don't, I already have some. Uh, I'm not sure necessarily if I want to keep adding to it, to that position now. But um, it could be something to consider for potentially uh, long-term, long-term commons, or even just in you know, like a long-term call option uh you know a couple months out or something um what 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 do you all think about paypal for the the future of paypal what do you all think of that i'll jump in first here but actually Kay, i saw you on mute what do you got well you know i i think um i agree with paul i think paypal is not finished number one and number two i think uh if you notice square pretty much in the similar business segment right Square did actually decently well. It was down to what forty eight dollars at the worst case, like I, I would say October. I guess that was when everybody was down. Then they came back up to almost uh, what they are trading now, sixty nine. So pretty much PayPal and Square are pretty much at a similar level. And and I do think that uh, with PayPal's business model and just the length of time they have been in business for so long, uh, Venmo especially very popular with younger generation now of course you know they move to cash app and everything but i i do i do agree whether it's a hundred dollar stock or not that's up for debate but i think it's it's not finished and it's a, it's a pretty decent if it's in the range itself you can do a lot of uh selling options on that one right uh i mean yeah. i'm generally into the wheel strategy and i like stocks that trade in a range uh that just helps me with the weekly trading uh, so I kind of like those kind of stocks and, and Nate knows that very well because there are a ton of stocks, you know, we do that on a weekly basis. Um, so th every those Sunday, are my thoughts. Every Sunday you can catch the trading triangle on YouTube. Shout out to that. 
<laughs> Love that. But, but yeah, like look at these monthly charts and uh, the monthly and the weekly chart on PayPal. I mean, it's uh, I think there's a decent risk reward for for potentially, you know, adding long term here. Uh, it's a, it had a high of 310 you know, during during COVID, during the uh, the COVID rip. And, and it's sitting at 60, 60 bucks right now. Um, could have had it cheaper at 50 bucks. I guess uh, a couple weeks ago, but um, I, I think that's—I mean, I think that's a decent, decent deal. Uh, I've had PayPal stock for a while. Um, haven't really done much with it. Uh, don't even know where, where, what my cost basis is. Uh, it's sort of buy and hold sort of thing forever. Um, that's kind of how I how I usually do commons. Like I buy I buy something, I hold it forever because I know I'm not going to need the cash for you know a couple of years or something. Well, yeah, if you have conviction, right, and looking at the chart for PayPal just for what that's worth, it's kind of rounding at the bottom here. It it hasn't moved up enough to really form a full rounding pattern, um, but it's kind of right there, <clears throat> and it's got this gap to fill, you know, again, technically speaking, which it would fill all the way back to, what is that, 72.50 if it were to fill it? So from where it's at now at 61.05, that's quite a run, and uh, it could get going. And it's also setting up a little bit of a kind of a cup and handle formation where if it broke above, call it 63, um, that could set off an, a nice uh, push to the upside. Uh, yeah, I'm big on technical trading. I always read the charts, so that's what you'll hear from me on a lot of this stuff. By the way, cup and handle, when I was looking at what Nitrator mentioned, which I thought was super interesting, um, looking at, Oh, was it was it Uber and Lyft that I saw that? Oh, you know what? Actually, well, anyways, not cup and handle, but I thought that's what the segue was going to be. But yeah, looking at Uber and Lyft. Um, so we're we were just comparing PayPal and Block, right? Square, and there's yeah, a block. lot. Of, yeah, right. And there's a lot of competition in the space. But what's the trend, right? And to me, the trend is everybody's buying everything online and PayPal is, you know, they know what they're doing. So yeah, a bunch of competition comes into the space. They can, if they collect themselves here and leverage their strengths and do what they know and get, you know, kind of get back after it, um, so to speak, then yeah, I, I could see there being upside because this is obviously where the trend is going. I don't know about you guys, but some ridiculously high percentage of my spend is online. And then for Lyft and Uber, the reason I brought that up is, the trend there is, is you know, anytime I think I need a ride, that's exactly what I go to. And I actually go to Lyft more often than Uber, so I thought that was interesting. I think, uh, Nate, you mind if I jump in a sec? Yeah, go for it. Um, so my, I have a lot of thoughts. On, I mean, I have some thoughts on paper. I'm not going to – but, yeah, I think it gets down to where you – I actually did a video – I'm on video uh, – Last year, I did. I mentioned PayPal. So what I said about pay, I don't own it, and it's not a stock in my wheelhouse. But it, the time to buy PayPal was at fifty dollars, and that that that's the time. You know that. I mean, I even said that on a video. That's when it kind of bottomed. So if you bought it at fifty, you're looking good. But the way I look at it is this way: PayPal. I, another. I, I don't own PayPal, but I own Shopify. So you, you have to look at with stocks, in my opinion. A a number one, where what price are you buying that is very important. But also in relation to other stocks, you could buy the opportunity cost. So like, there's a fascinating thing between PayPal stock when it was at fifty uh, last November. Shopify was also at fifty around that time, and I think I did a tweet. 
I said, which stock would you own at 50 Shopify or PayPal? And I, last November, I, that was my first buy into Shopify around 50. And then, you know, that stock went to almost 80 now. So you got to look at it. Would you rather own Shopify or would you rather own PayPal? Because at the end of the day, neither of them pay you a dividend. So, you know, what are you getting for holding a certain stock? If it's, if you're not getting a dividend, you're just, what are the reasons for you holding it if it's not going to go up? So, yeah, PayPal's got low risk, um, but low downside, but it's got probably lowish upside. Whereas a shop, stock like Shopify, you know, has low downside and then way more upside. So that, that's just my two cents on price and opportunity cost uh, with that. Why not just buy both? <laughs> yeah, you could. I mean, you could. It's just, yeah. I mean, I use PayPal. I like it. Um, I mean, PayPal has got a lot of competition, like even from their, like I, a lot of people I know, like I just met with a group of 20-somethings and they all use Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E to transfer money. So, um, you know, for so for transferring money, like I use PayPal to transfer money, but I also use Zelle now, I'm starting to use. Um, I would look at PayPal's model. There, there's some... <laughs> I don't have time to go into PayPal, but there are some tweets out there, some people that did some analysis, like they're really losing or, or flat market share in a lot of their businesses. Um, some guy did a big, uh, he did some analysis on PayPal. I, I don't, if I find it, I could send it out, but I don't have it, but showing where they're really, you know, like I said, I PayPal at 50 is great. PayPal at 60, uh, I'm not sure what the you know upside will be. It's not, it's probably not going to go down much, but. Yeah, I'd love to get all the different perspectives. What you got, Blind Luck? Yeah, I was curious what you guys' thoughts on uh, Tilt is with um, the Fed looking at cutting interest rates heading into 2024 here. Uh, the long-term bond funds could make some pretty big moves, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, my mute button got stuck. Yeah, so the rate decisions is super interesting. Let me let me add a quick comment on Shopify. I just posted trade ideas in my newsletter about Shopify because of this bounce off of the 70-50 level. It's looking really nice, no doubt. This is a a pretty nice spot here. It's broken out. Might have missed that trade, um, but if it comes back near the that 70 level, um, that's a nice buying opportunity, in my opinion. Not financial advice. And um, also, real quick, because I do want to talk about uh, exactly what you just hit on there, Blind Luck. But everybody that's tuned in, appreciate you listening. Make sure you give all these folks on the panel a follow. These guys are uh, spending their time sharing their ideas and thoughts with you. Great information, and they will add to your timeline, no doubt. So uh, definitely give them all a follow. And uh, Paul's dropping some good stuff up top. Check out those pin tweets as, or pin posts as well. Um, but yeah, blind luck. So you mentioned the interest rate environment, which I think is is definitely interesting here because you know we had we had calls for rate cuts in the you know first quarter even this year. Um, and my opinion on that is basically it's pretty simple. Um, I don't think that they there's a the Fed wants to risk inflation rearing its ugly head anytime soon. So I think that, you know, the idea of cutting rates in the near term is probably not likely, but the second half of the year, it all it almost seems inevitable as long as, um, you know, things continue to chug along in, in, on the trade, the, excuse me, the trend that it's been on. But is that think, kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, I think late April or early June, uh, one of those meetings is probably going to be the first rate cut. I don't think we'll get all six rate cuts to markets priced in. I think it'll be closer to three or four. Um, 
But that's why I like tilt. It's a 20-year bond fund, um, and it moves inversely to rates. So as rates get cut, it goes up. And it's, it's almost like a leverage fund because if rate get cut 1%, tilt might go up 15 20%. So um, it's been an interesting trade I'm setting up. Is that T-I-L-T? Is that what you're yeah. saying or T-L-T? T, uh, T-L-T. Yeah, T-L-T. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just want to make sure. Um, that's the uh, 20-year Treasury bond ETF. Yep. Correct. Yep. And, and you can see predictable it. predictable because it, it's just pegged to the Fed rate. I mean, it, it's not like it's a company that has weird stuff going on. It's just inversely related to rates. And that's something that's been off of everybody's radars recently is, is getting invested in, in something like TLT because it's been, you know, uh, the Tina trade, right? And now we've got, you know, rates at a level that's actually of interest and it's you're bringing money flows into bonds. And so now there's interesting trading setups there. So I like that you brought that forward. I um, have honestly not looked close enough at adding to TLT. So that's something I'm going to Yeah, mention. I would definitely look at that before the Fed starts cutting rates. There's, there's a really good trade setup there, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to buy extra money on this trade. But, you know, when the Fed starts cutting rates, typically um, shortly after, maybe a couple months later, uh, the market starts, you know, flatlining or trending down even a little bit as they anticipate a recession. So till, the nice thing about that is it'll go up even if, um, a recession starts getting priced into the market. So it's kind of a, a safety trade in, in my portfolio. So yeah, you got to love a dividend. So that's, it's, it's curious, you know, I've, I've been looking and reading a lot about different market, um, I guess, factors or, you know, macro factors. I'm not a macro guy or anything, um, but I've been, you know, everybody kind of been talking recession for most of 2023. Yeah, and now way too early way too um, early right? i put a huge post on my website or not my website my um my twitter feed if you want to click that um kind of walking through how the normal recession cycle works and typically what happens the fed cuts rate first the stock market tops two to three months after that you know money gets cheap people go okay cool you know assets are going to get bid up and then reality starts stepping in and you have about a 12 month period where markets are kind of flat and um not a lot happens about a year after the Fed starts cutting rates, unemployment starts becoming an issue. And that's why the Fed starts cutting rates is they're going, okay, we got too much pressure on jobs. We need to try to get ahead of this thing. And they're almost always too late. Um, but it takes about 12 months. Unemployment starts ticking up. And that's when the real market crash hits. Um, that's what happened in 2008. They started cutting rates in June of 2027, or sorry, 20, um, 2007. But we always talk about it's the 20, sorry 2008 crash guess when the pain actually happened a full year later but the feds they were already acting in june of 2007 trying to get ahead of that so that's my thesis um i, I did a lot of detail on my post but um yeah the doomers on x here are they're way too early trying to call the next crash i mean we're still a good 12 to 18 months out on it but um i don't think 2024 is going to be a real hot year i think it's going to be pretty flat as we kind of hit our peak after the Fed starts cutting rates here. Yep, yeah, it's, it's an interesting setup. I like I like that you're bringing that to the table. Um, you know, talking about consumer strength, um, one thing that I wanted to bring up because it's tied into, you know, obviously the recession co conversation and unemployment, <clears throat> excuse me, unemployment's a big part of this. And that's why I think, you know, in 2023, it's just too early because unemployment never ticked down or, ticked up excuse me and uh and so that you need that additional factor i think to really oh, yeah, totally i mean if you look at the 
great financial crisis. The Fed started cutting rates in 2007. You had the stock market crash in 2008. Unemployment didn't actually peak until 2009. I mean, almost 20 months later. It's a very slow cycle, and everyone wants to call the next recession, and they just are way too early. Um, it's going to be 2025 before we start seeing a lot of the pain that's already been set up by the policymakers' um, decisions. Interesting. I like the call there, 2025. Yeah, yeah 2025, look. I think it's going to be unemployment starting to start getting pretty hot. You're probably going to see a bottom in the stock market. When the stock market crashes, it crashes very quickly. The 2008 crash was over about two months. I mean, very fast. Um, so you'll probably have a correction um, 2025, in my opinion. But then it's going to be a couple of tough years of, you know, slow housing, slow jobs market, and probably go out to 2027. You know, it's just, it's just a very slow moving thing. You know, it's a world economy, right? Like, I mean, it, it things don't change overnight. Yep, no doubt. That's why we're on here talking about different ways to build wealth, right? Because if, you know, I, I am all for passive investing. I do a huge chunk of my long-term investing is exactly that. But I like to get a little bit more out of it. You know, Kay and I talk about selling options, collect premium. You mentioned the wheel strategy earlier. I mean, we talk about all kinds of different ways. Every Sunday, like I mentioned, um, of just kind of adding and building the portfolio. And then other, you know, everybody on this panel, we, we get into some great conversations. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm playing the rates right now. You know, there are opportunities out there. You know, I talked about the stock market possibly topping in 2024. But that's why I'm looking at buying long bond funds. We know the Fed's going to cut rates. We know that these bond funds move inversely to rates. And the longer date that you buy, um, the bigger the swing. You know, if you look at a three-month treasury fund, there's almost no movement. But if you look at a 20-year bond fund, I mean, it it's going to move over 60% in a five-year period. I mean, there's a ton of movement. So um, that's where the trade is, in my opinion. Love it. So a couple interesting facts um, or points of note, I guess, um, from just discussion earlier today is on – one of Wolf's many fabulous spaces, but one in particular had John Najarian on. And uh, one of the comments made was that, you know, the VIX is about the VIX, right? And then I got another point after this as well, but the VIX um, at 13 point whatever percent it is right now, just above 13. Uh, let's see, what did it move to today? I bet you it moved up. Oh no, look at that. It, it's 12.76. So we got a 12 handle on the VIX and, um, you know, everybody's thinking this is like real low level for volatility. And and that's just because we've been conditioned to think that over the last few years, we've had huge spikes in volatility and, and trading volatility at levels of like 1850. It seemed like a decent level. Volatility at 1275, that's normal, by the way. That's what was interesting. If we, let's see, what was it? it was like, uh, I think that's the average. So yeah, so since the, in the history of the VIX, there's not a level that's had more um, more time, uh, you know, traded, whatever, than the 12 handle. So you can 13 point whatever, 14, 15. Nope, none of those. The 12 handle is the one that we're, we're at most. So this is not like historically low levels. This is this is average right here. And with average, you can get markets moving in a number of directions. You can still take advantage of premiums and options trading. Like there's a lot you can do here. So. I like the setup and the other thing that was noted and shout out to market rebels because this is directly from them um going back to 1957 there there's been 12 bull markets and and that includes one we're in presently and if you average the numbers across those bull markets you get an average gain of 
169.26%. So that's like, it's incredible, right? Across each bull market. So if we were to get 22% return this year and next year, and then sell off by 12% in 2026, that would still be a conservative estimate relative to that average. Are this bull market, if it came to a close that way, um, would only, I say only, it would net 142%. So not quite getting to that 169% um, average for a bull market, which I think is interesting because the sentiment right now is we've ripped so hard in, in 2023, you know, NASDAQ up 50%, like there's no more room to run. But in fact, we're, if you look at a broader picture, zoom out, the bull market still has some room to go. And so, I mean, it just says, you know, 22% this year and then next year and then followed by a 12-year sell-off and we would still be underneath that number. That's in incredible to me. I would not have thought that. So yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that. I was um, looking at the um, P&E rates for the S&P 500 and um, it's a little high, but it's not crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that overpriced compared to what it was in like 2021 even. You know, the market kind of caught its breath in 2022. In 2023, it's, you know, a little bit above average, but it's not, we're not at crazy levels here. Yeah, and I've been uh, hyping semiconductors, and I've been talking about it since, you know, early fall, actually. Next, probably back into the summer now, I'm thinking about it in August when things started selling off. And uh, just really bullish that semiconductors are going to lead the way, and NVIDIA is just making me look smart at every turn, which is great. So I appreciate that, NVIDIA. Thank you for that. Uh, but powering again higher, and I think all the chips are going to follow suit, and I think that's going to just pull the markets higher. So I actually, Kay, you might remember my prediction for the year was SPY to close at 444. I'd like to amend that because I'm actually getting far more bullish. No, okay. Sounds good. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you look easy, man. Yeah, because Sean is not here right now. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> Well, so, you know, since you brought up NVIDIA, right? I mean, if you notice, AMD is up 50% since we have been talking. Like, we were like, what, $100 level? And we've been trading that. It's, what, 150 now? Yeah, it keeps rising. Intel, you mentioned Intel. You still trading? Intel. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, those are those are my staple stocks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I was going to ask you if you got any strategies to start off the year. you work any wheel strategies on any of those? Or are you just letting them run? Or what are your yes. thoughts? Yes. So, so there are a couple of trades that I am in. Uh, some some are not uh, big names, but I start with the big names. What right? so AMD and Intel, like those are very, very typical stops that I run wheel strategy on. Uh, AMD is getting a little too hot for me to run anymore. Uh, Google used to be the one too, but it's also a little bit higher. The couple stocks that I'm currently in is Datadog, uh, ticker symbol DDOG. Uh, that I got into a little bit earlier. That was when it was about the $100 mark. And since then, I've just let it run. There's no option strategy on it. There's another stock, which is Okta, ticker symbol OKTA. These are all software SaaS companies. Um, Okta in particular, I like for long-term is uh, because I work in the software industry as well. And Okta is something that I'm seeing a lot more customers using and just the massive number of customers using. And um, if if you're familiar with Gartner reports, they generally have these magic quadrants where they kind of uh, identify the market leaders. And in the identity management space, Okta actually is ahead of Microsoft. So that's, that itself uh, shows the tenacity of the company and 
most recently they had this breach and because of that breach the stock got hammered and it went down to i think below 70 bucks and i got it at in 70 during that breach but breach happens all the time you know breach is pretty it's normalized now for every company we even get breaches with uh, our social security and uh, you know credit scores but anyways moving on i think uh, the couple trades that i'm really looking into right now is the energy sector you know my one of my favorites is exxon mobil it's below the 99 dollar or like right around the 99 and then there's another stock that uh, i would love to add more in the long term which is also in the saas spaces uh, UI path ticker symbol PATH. It has run a little bit. Uh, my ideal price uh, getting in price is about $16 or so. It's right around like 22 So I'm not touching it. Uh, and you know, what was the ticker again? Uh, it's path PATH. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think this everybody knows Tesla, right? Tesla has been in that. Nice range of 220 to 270. You know, this is the perfect uh, trading opportunity for Tesla. Uh, so those are a couple of tickers that I'm actually in right now. So we've got some interesting names here. Um, Paul, I'm going to throw it over to you here. But so earlier we had Night Trader talking about Grab and Joe t giving some, some real life facts around that, which that one's really jumped off the page to me. And now we got K. You know, it's funny, you mentioned all these, you're talking to Okta and Datadog, I'm right there with you. By the way, Okta, like that chart has been consolidating, um, just moving sideways for a minute. So, so going back to really the beginning of, of last year. And so this could be ready, poised to break out. It's forming, looks like slightly higher lows, but not really higher highs, but Anyways, then you throw in ExxonMobil. I love it, man. You're consistent. You all you, you always have an energy name in there. And Exxon's been one that I know you've been trading. So Path, P-A-T-H, UI Path. That one is interesting. Not been on my radar, similar like Grab. And their earnings, it looks like they've been popping on earnings reports recently. The last one gapped up massively and kept running. And now it's kind of forming a bit of a flag it looked like it dropped out of it with the rest of the market selling up but yeah ui path pat dude and and, yeah. and and if you understand the business model of it so everybody talks about ai this and ai that but if you notice what, what this company does it automates the business processes so for companies mid-sized companies large size you know companies there's a lot of business operations that can be automated. So these are all white collar jobs. Now you add AI on top of it. So they have been in this automation business for, you know, more than a decade now. And they have been growing. So what they back back in the day, they used to call it a robot, right? So basically a robot is gonna, it's a, it will take away the mundane tasks from white collar jobs and they will automate it. Now you add AI on top of it with the learning language model. And then it just, you maximize the potential of, you know, removing white collar jobs. That's what it does. So as the companies, large scale companies like banks, this is very popular in banks, by the way, because bank has a lot of back end operation and, you know, not the front end, but the, the mid office and the back office have a lot of automation opportunities. And this is where this particular company, uh, of course, with other competitors also, they shine. And it's it's just going to get bigger and bigger as the years will go by and as AI, every single software company now uses AI, some form or the other. And this is one of the opportunities, you know, in the SaaS space, which is still untapped. Not many people talk about it. 
Uh, and that's is on my radar for a long time now. Yeah, good stuff, Kay. That that is interesting. I'm liking the charts. I'm liking the the, the conversation around this. Like you've got some interesting stuff here. So I've noted path is another one that was not anywhere near my radar as now squarely on my watch list. So thank you for that, sir. Yeah, great stuff. This is exactly what I'm hoping for out of these Tuesday evening, you know, conversations. I'm not trying to just talk about price levels and targets and all that, but I definitely like to hear people's trade ideas, right? Like that's what we want to bring forward in addition to just addition, you know, whatever knowledge and uh, experience we have in these realms. And you can tell by listening in that we've got quite the diverse background, a lot of really smart folks here on this panel. And uh, they're going to add to your timeline, so give them a nice, give them a follow. You'll you'll definitely enjoy that. Um, your timeline will be improved. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right. So yeah, I think love that. Hey, Paul, like that that Octa uh, chart. Thanks for posting that as well. That consolidation. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about. That consolidation right there. Yeah, Octa looks like it's. Uh, you know, that's not a name I trade. Uh, I just looked at the chart really quick though. Uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to trade it though when it breaks out of this consolidation. I would not try to, you know, the, the thing with the market is, you know, with I always think that, um, you know, wait for the move. You know, you don't try to anticipate the market. Don't try to anticipate the move. You know, uh, if you have if you have signs that a move is going to happen or is happening, try to get on get in on that. But don't just you know throw money out there and think that like okay well hopefully hopefully eventually this is going to work out um, you know so with Okta here we're in a consolidation zone uh, this consolidation zone maybe it happens for another year or something it, who knows who knows with with the market so I would just wait and wait until you really get like a break in continuation out of this consolidation zone for going long here uh, and I posted another thing about. Um, Dollar General. So, you know, we're talking about PayPal and Shopify and Amazon, you know, all these names of, you know, we spend money online. People don't go to the store anymore. But for large swaths of the country, most of the country in terms of land area, people are going to Walmart and they're going to Dollar General. That's where they spend their money. That's where the that's where rural America spends their money is Walmart and Dollar General. And, and Dollar General is kind of just like a mini version of walmart and they're both you know <laughs> we could sort of maybe maybe we'll we sort of fancy ourselves as agnostic towards like business practices as being traders um but i, I you know i th i think that the walmart has shown itself to be bad for america in a lot of ways how it's hollowed out communities and um sort of uh be become like just <laughs> like voids uh with real estate and everything else, but in Dollar General, it's just kind of like a mini version of that, which is why I think it's going to work. I think it's going to continue to work great. Um, you know, they, they've it's sort of a one-stop shop for a lot of things uh, that 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 people need. Uh, it's like a it's a it's a it's a compelling shopping experience. I mean, you go in there, you get some calories, get some cleaning supplies, get some makeup, get some you know whatever, get get your soda get your soda pop it's uh in and out i mean people love dollar general the prices are cheap it's per the perceived value even if it's not great value the the perceived value is there same with walmart um you know I'm, i don't think I'd, i'm ever going to bet against those two companies 
Do I think they're good for America and Americans? No, I really don't. I think they're kind of evil companies. But, you know, that does that really matter if you're in the market trying to make money? Not really. Um, you know, maybe that's uh, <laughs> sort of not really in our realm to, to judge. Like, who are we to judge? Since since we are sort of just like moving money around, we're moving ones and zeros around. Like you know how much how much uh, productive uh, work are we doing as traders? But uh, but yeah, I, I I'd like to hear people's thoughts on you know Dollar General or, or Walmart or that type of space because um, because I'm definitely a fan of dollars like Dollar General in the future, Walmart in the future. Yeah, I'd like to hear other people's thoughts on that. I can give you. Ahead, I could give you my ahead. two cents on it if you want. Yeah, Dollar General. Um, I have a I know a hedge fund manager, hedge funds, hedge fund manager, and he was buying this stock. At, I don't own Dollar General, but I agree with you, Paul. All, everything you said. Um, he was buying at like a hundred dollars. He's really big on it. So um, I go there. I have a lot of. I go. I go to Dollar General. I don't. I personally don't like going there. Um, I think the store is usually not well kept. It's usually like one peop one person working there, maybe two. But I have yep. noticed your I have noticed to your point though that lately in the last couple of months I've been going to Dollar General. I noticed way more people there. So go figure, because you know, everything's going to hell in the country. So um I have noticed way more people there. But uh they do have a lot of debt though. But I don't think that matters. They do have I they they, they seem to have a lot of debt, but I agree with you though, Paul. I don't own it, but if you bought it at a hundred, like my friend did, I mean, you're looking Dollar General long term. I think you're right. I think it will keep going up. What you got, Brian? Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not into Dollar General, but I've been in Costco for a long time now. Uh, very small position, long term investing, and I don't trade considering it's uh, what six hundred dollars stock now. Uh, but that's that's one thing that I've been, you know, kind of just seeing the growth for Costco and and just the number of people who have been in the membership for such a long time. And I've been a mem Costco member since, what, 2012, 13, something like that. And, you know, and I just see the Costco stock, you know, going crazy. Uh, I know it's very different space from Dollar General, considering the, the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love uh, Costco. It's it's the it's like the complete opposite of Walmart. Like it's kind of the foil. You know, they Costco treats their play the, their their employees well. They they pay them well. Like the attrition rate on Costco it for for like retail is like the lowest out there. You you you'll go and talk to people that like, oh yeah, like you see their badge and they've been working there since 1998. You know, they're they're um yeah, Costco fosters the sense of loyalty they take care of their people they pay them well they give them benefits uh the the demographics of people that shop at costco is like the opposite of walmart um you know the average costco shopper probably makes 150k a year uh you know something like that it, it it's uh they've got they've got like the best practices in terms of uh you know like <laughs> having sh stuff shipped from in in terms of capital capitalist global globalized retail uh you know whether there's a lot of uh maybe issues with that costco probably does it the best they cap their profit margin at 14 percent or something for for any any given item which is why their liquor is so cheap um you know i costco does everything right and, and i am i'm a huge fan of costco i am and i own a lot of shares in costco and yeah. i have I have, I have for a long time. 
the other two things I want to point out, I'm a huge Costco fan too. I grew up in Issaquah, Washington, where their uh, corporate headquarters are. So I know a lot about the company. Um, the, a couple other things that's really cool about the company is their shrink rate is like one fifth of like the average retail store. Like nobody steals from that company. And then the um, average basket size that people check out with is like quadruple what Walmart or another company. So, yeah. Like, yeah, try to leave Costco without spending 500 bucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Dude, it, I, I hate going to Costco. That's exactly the reason. Yeah, because like every time you walk out, every every single person in that store walks out 500 bucks. I mean, Walmart can't say that. Dollar General can't say that. I mean, they sell freaking gold bars for crying out loud, and they sell out instantly. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Man, I have a rule. Like, when we go to Costco most times, like, don't go to the middle part of the store, right? Just walk the perimeter, get food, get the paper products, get some meat. Like, have, have you ever gotten that's $200, $200 right there. <laughs> Nate, have you ever gotten out under $200? No, never. But yeah. if I go in the middle, I'll start approaching $1,000 really quickly. Blind, blind luck. I'll tell you when I get, I'll tell you when. Only when I go get a gas, it's less than $100. So, so Nate, the middle of my Costco is where all the leggings are. Is that what you're shopping for, or what do you, what do you get in the middle? In the middle is where all the good goodies are. Like they got the camping gear, they got like crazy <laughs> collections, they got clothes, they got all kinds of stuff in there. And I guess just stay away, man. Let's yeah, the away. seasonal stuff like the paddle. Oh yeah, let's get a couple stand up paddle boards. Or you know, <laughs> yeah, I could totally do some golf clubs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I came in here to get some water and some chicken and I walk out with golf clubs and a new grill and it's a collection of Alvin stuff, you, know? you, you get it <laughs> for years. And to your point, Paul, um, I love how they treat their employees. Like I grew up in the same town that corporate yes, headquarters yes. is. Some of my friends I went to college with got jobs at Costco straight out of college and they've been working there for 20 years and they make almost $200,000 a year as corporate buyers or whatever. I mean, they treat their people really well and they it's just, you can't beat it. It, yeah, 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 it's the best. In terms of a, a large retail company, they they do it. They're they're you probably can't do it better in terms of like treating their employees well. And and I and I really, I, I don't feel like dirty going there. You know, if I go to a Dollar General or an Aldi or something, it's like yeah, they got one person working there. They're making uh, somehow below minimum wage or something if they can figure that out. And and their their life. They, they they're very sad because because they uh you know they're treated uh, they're treated very uh badly there it's, it's um, like a commodity you know there's a couple yeah. of five hours from them where costco's is investing in their employees and trying to add value to the whole system yes absolutely guys i'll just i'll chime in there for what it's worth with the international perspective but my family was here from japan recently my wife's family and um you know, Costco has made it to New Zealand, which is a very small but competitive market. But, um, you know, they're in Japan as well, and they've been very, very successful there, and, and they're absolutely going gangbusters here. So, obviously, they've got a business model that works globally as well. Funny you bring that up, Joe. I was in Japan, and I actually went to Costco or to check it out. Yeah, it's um, it's probably got its uh, its own little quirks um, there, at least from my, my wife's family's uh, stories about it. But, yeah, I think the the business model works and, and that's a great oh, sign part. i think for the one company. of the things they do that a lot of people don't realize is they buy a, a large batch of something and when it's out of stock it's gone forever they don't restock it like you know a, a special deal on tvs or whatever right so people have been trained they know that if they see something there and they want it they have to buy it now or it might not be there next time and it really yeah. f forces you to open up your wallet it's genius 
Yeah, if it's got the asterisk on the on the price label, you know that it's they're they're not going to restock it. And uh, and yeah, there there's that treasure hunting aspect. Every time you go, there's something a little different there. Um, and and they're also like yeah, you you talked about how they just bit buying large lots. Like uh, you know, they're they're the world's largest wine buyer. Costco buys more wine than anyone else. Um, you know, so, so many aspects of the business are great, and but. You know, we if you want to talk about the chart, I mean, Costco is at all time highs right now. Um, I wouldn't, I, I would not advise anyone to buy or sell anything, but I certainly wouldn't advise anyone to buy Costco at all time highs. You know, I think I've been saying that for the last twenty years, and I've been kicking myself <laughs> for not buying Costco for the last twenty years. Like I own a little bit, but every time I go to buy more, it's like, oh, that all time highs. I should wait for it to come down, and it never comes down. It just keeps going up and to the right. Yeah, yeah. When Costco is like, yeah, when Costco is forty bucks or fifty bucks, you were probably saying that, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, like I said, I grew up in the corporate headquarters hometown. Like I, like this is a great company. I should invest in it. And I just keep waiting, 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 and it's just been the worst decision of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel that uh, that is exactly what's going on with that chart. It's constantly looking like, oh, I'll just, I'll just wait for a pullback. It's all good. And, you know, it's interesting about Costco is it's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say recession proof, but what, you know, everybody has, when you're, when things are good and everybody has money, you're at Costco, you're spending on all the things I was just saying I was trying to avoid, right? Staying out of the middle and buying all the good stuff. But <clears throat> when you have the extra money, you peruse, you, you pick up those items, Costco does really well. And, and like uh, Blind Luck mentioned, you know that it may not be there next time. So you're going to go pick it up. Any company yeah. that makes you feel that way, that's a company to invest in for sure. And yeah, um, the other thing they do that a lot of people don't realize is they have a lot of Costco business locations. You have to own a business shop there, and um, they have a huge business customer base. I mean, restaurants and all kinds of stores. You know, people who do vending machines, they go to Costco to get their soda. I mean, it's their business customer base is enormous. Yeah, no, that's a really good point too. And then, you know, I mentioned, you know, if we do have a recession, you do have that, that issue. People go to Costco because you can buy in bulk and save some money. So they, they just kind of like take a different approach, but go to the same place, right? And um, yeah, back to, you know, full circle back to Dollar General. I mean, I didn't realize how much it had been beaten up and sold off here. So it looks like it did find the bottom there right around the hundred and bounced nicely. And if you think that we're heading into uh, tougher economic times, you know this might be a good good spot to be uh, picking up shares. I would think. Um, I'm surprised that it sold off the way it has. I thought that this might this chart would look a little different than it did. But good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it could be could be an interesting buying opportunity. Uh, like Dave was saying, they've got a lot of debt. Of course, that's an issue, but. You know, may, maybe not necessarily because it's sort of um, they, they it's kind of like they're they understand well, like how much money they're going to make, how much shrinkage they have. Uh, I think yeah, they've got pretty good, pretty good visibility. Yeah, it's manageable. I mean, we know the Fed's cutting rates soon and all this stuff. Like, I, I don't you know, I don't really have a concern about their debt levels personally. Love it. You guys, this has been a great conversation. We're going to do this every Tuesday night, talking about different um, stocks and different things going on in the market. I guarantee you that you did not have on your card for this, this discussion. You were thinking you're going to pick up ideas in Path, Grab, 
know, we had good conversations around Lyft and Uber. You had this conversation between Dollar General and Walmart and Costco. I mean, we're going to bring it like this every week and talk about what's, you know, what the latest is and just give you different perspectives. So I appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, I will just add one last note here. I did put this in the title of the space, so I should address it, I think. Um, I made 65% on a nice solid trade yesterday, but I missed out on 1,037% gains. And man, I just I just wanted to share this because as a work from home trader, um, I think this is something that everybody kind of can go through and you want to just know that you're not alone doing it. Um, hey, I had a great trade. Yesterday was a Monday, I should say. It was a, an amazing market day, right? So if you had anybody in your timeline talking about how great they are, well, listen, everybody was great on Monday. Like literally everybody. It went bottom left, upper right, like it was Costco all day. And, and, and I'm talking about the market and everything. So I had this great trade, trading spy options, got in, got out, traded for an hour, it was like 7.30 a.m. my time to 8.30 went to when did my day job right and it was perfect and then i came back to hop on the space of wolf later and saw the markets just kept going all day and of course i had those call options open on my screen and i saw that those 37 cent options i think that's what i got in 37 right in there and uh 37 39 something like that um i sold them at 94 cents I think it was 94 97 so you know a very nice trade. Very happy with that. Um, but I had some sells along the way, you know, scaling out. So that was the bottom and, and top of the range. And um, and yeah, those same damn call options were selling for $4.37 later on in the day. And I didn't leave any runners. Like, you know, you leave a runner. That's what you do. You leave a few runners, right? Like that's what everybody does. I just happened on Monday to close out all my positions and not set a stop loss and, and leave runners. I just, you know, this is how I was feeling that day. And, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where you make good money and then you look up and you, and you could feel like you lost money because it just hurts um, to see that what you could have made. But hey, I shrugged that off pretty quickly. And I'm just sharing it here with you guys because one of the things I say all the time is these markets create opportunities, endless opportunities. And so every week, we're going to have new opportunities to discuss. So thank you all on the panel for uh, bringing your thoughts th this evening. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Be sure to give these guys a follow. Joe, Kay, Paul, Night Trader, Dave, and Blind Luck, all of you guys, great con contributions tonight, as always. So tomorrow night we'll be back, and hopefully you guys can all join as, as again and as well. So we'll be talking about wealth building um, you know, what kind of excuses we come up with and how do we overcome them, get get those out of our way so we can get that success we want and we keep driving for day in and day out. So great stuff, guys. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for uh, joining on the panel again. Good game, everyone. It was a lot of fun. See you all uh, tomorrow night. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks.